My name is Brad, and I'm the lead pastor here at Hillside Church, and I want to thank you for listening to one of our messages from Hillside Church. We believe that the God who spoke so clearly all through the pages of Scripture is still speaking today. So if it's me speaking or if it's someone else, we pray that the message you are about to hear would allow you to know God, know His hope, know His purpose, and know His power. Enjoy the message. Well, hello, Hillside Church. My name's Derek. I uh, pastor a church in Port Coquitlam, British Columbia called Riverside, and I'm really excited to be talking to you this morning. Merry Christmas. Uh, I'm not sure if Pastor Fred's already said it or not, but I've known him for a long time, all the way back when we were both youth pastors, and I'm really excited to share with you something that God's put on my heart during this Christmas season, and he's been really working through with me. Uh, one of the things you should probably know about me before we get started is uh, I'm a father. I have two children. Um, they are three and five years old. The three-year-old is a, a boy named Judah, and the five-year-old is a girl named Aaliyah. And uh, I just, I love being a father. It's one of the, the best things about my life. I love being a father. It, it just, it enriches my life so in so many ways. Now, it comes with its own challenges, but it also just affords me all sorts of opportunities to experience things in a different way. See, I love seeing the world through the eyes of my children. I, I love the way that they look at everything with a sense of wonder. We'll go for walks in the forest, and out of all the forest, one of my kids will pick up a leaf, and they look at this leaf, and it, to me, it looks like it's the same as every other leaf, but they just find it to be remarkable. Or we'll be playing somewhere, and one of my children will find a rock, and they'll pick up their rock and say, Daddy, look at this amazing rock. And to me, it's just a rock. It's like any other rock, but to them, it's amazing. And I love seeing the world through their eyes. I love walking with them as they experience things for the first time or as they're exploring new ideas, new dynamics. One of the things that we've been exploring in the Sanderson household over the last little while has been feelings. If you have young children, toddlers, you know that man, experiencing feelings and learning about feelings is a, is a really dramatic thing. And in the Sanderson household, in my home, we feel things in a really really big way. And that can be a ton of fun when it's excitement and it's joy. It can be pretty dramatic when it's anger or sadness. But I love walking through this with them as I try and teach them how to experience these feelings in a healthy way or how to process them or how to express them in a way that doesn't hurt anyone else or doesn't cause uh, discomfort for anyone else. Then one of the things that I, I love watching them explore, one of the emotions that I love walking through with them is just joy. They have such an incredible capacity for joy. One example of this was a, a while back. We were, um, we had given our children this uh, play kitchen. It's kind of fourth hand to us. It passed through a lot of homes and it was pretty beat up, but they loved it. But they played with it so much and so aggressively that it started to get really rickety and it was actually starting to fall over. And so the family around Christmas, um, my extended family reached out and said, hey, well, what could we get your kids for Christmas? And I said, oh man, they would love a new play kitchen. And so a uh, few of them pitched in and they, and they got them a new play kitchen. And I did the usual thing you do on uh, Christmas Eve. I stayed up late assembling Christmas gifts and I managed to put this play kitchen together. And I'll tell you what, for a play kitchen, I felt like I should have gone to engineering school just to <laughs> be able to figure out how all these pieces were supposed to fit together. But I managed to get it assembled and I put a, a big sheet over it because it was so big I couldn't wrap it and I put a bow on top. 
And then when Christmas morning came, my children came down the stairs and they look and they see this huge wrapped thing in the middle of the room. And they both looked at me and my wife, Amber, and they just, can we open it? And I said, yeah, go ahead, guys, open it up. So they rip the blanket off and they just start to yell like the most incredible thing you've ever heard. It's a new Placajan! I mean, it was like the winning Super Bowl touchdown had been scored in my living room. I mean, there was running around. They were smashing into things. They were smashing into each other. They're like jumping up and down. They're waving their hands. At one point, I think my son Judah, the three-year-old, was yelling so hard that he actually fell on his knees with excitement. It's a new play kitchen. They were so excited. They were so overjoyed. And we started calling family members to wish them Merry Christmas. And the first thing I want to tell them about, tell them about was the play kitchen. The first thing they wanted to tell their friends about was the play kitchen. The first thing they wanted to show people when they came over was the play kitchen. I mean, the joy that they experienced through that is just so remarkable. And this whole conversation about joy comes up through the Christmas season. It's a part of Advent. It's a part of so many of our songs. And joy is beautiful. I mean, I, I, I'm being filled with joy just talking about the joy that my children experienced. But there's a problem with joy, too. Because if joy is just something that's connected to a mountaintop experience, if joy just comes when the huge wind comes, then all of a sudden we're left with a question. I mean, if we're supposed to experience joy as Christians, we're invited to experience joy. But if that's only connected to these mountaintop experiences, what do we do the rest of the time? I mean, what do we do if during the Christmas season we're experiencing difficulties, challenges, suffering? And we're standing in church singing joy to the world. How is it that we can experience joy in the midst of pain? Or can we? The nice thing is, is that I don't think that joy is just tied to these mountaintop experiences. And in a way, my children have taught me this as well. Just a couple weeks ago, um, my daughter is in kindergarten and my son is in preschool. And on a day when my son wasn't in preschool, uh, my wife and, and my son and my daughter, they went to drop my daughter off in kindergarten. And then um, they were going to be doing some errands after they dropped her off. And I had to call Amber to ask her a question about something. And Judah, my son, is just nattering away in the background. He's just talking, 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 talking. And he just sounded so excited. And I said, Amber, like, what, what are you doing? Like, why is Judah so excited? And she's like, I, I don't know. We just went and dropped off some crutches at the Red Cross, and we're going to go to the grocery store and pick up some groceries. And sure enough, she put Judah on the phone. I was like, Judah, what's going on? He's like, oh, Daddy, we went, we went to the building, and we gave the crutches so that other people can use the crutches, and then we're going to go to the grocery store, and we're going to buy some milk, and we're going to buy some eggs, and we're going to buy some yogurt, and he's just going on and on and on and on and on. And he's experiencing all of this joy from this really mundane thing that he's doing. Experiencing all this joy from just dropping off crutches and getting groceries. And, and those aren't necessarily things that I would have associated with joy, with that level of joy. And then he started talking about how much he loves going on adventures with mommy. See, we know, we know that joy has this proximity to these incredible mountaintop experiences. But my son showed me in this moment that joy isn't about just those things. Joy can be found in other spaces as well. See, what he showed me, and what we're going to look at here together from the story of Mary, is that joy comes from perspective, not pleasure. I say that again. Joy comes from perspective, 
not pleasure. So I want to I want to go to the word. We're going to be looking in Luke chapter 1. I'm going to start reading to you in verse 46. We're going to read all the way to verse 55 and then we're going to go back and we're going to see what it is that we can learn from Mary in this moment. See what it is that we can learn from Mary about joy. And it, it's really appropriate that we go to Mary to learn about this because Mary's life was not an easy life, especially at this moment where she is going to share this song that comes up from within her. Mary is not going to be experiencing an easy life. She's experiencing some significant hardships in this moment. I mean, you think about it. Mary is an unwed pregnant teenage mom. And in any chapter in history, that presents some tremendous challenges for people. But in ancient Israel, it would have been scandalous. I mean, she probably lost family and friends. She lost her community connection. She would have lost a ton of support. Uh, we don't know the state of her relationship with the people around her, but it, it probably suffered dramatically because when you think about it, Mary had an angel come and tell her what was going on. Joseph, who was engaged to her to be married, had to have another angel come and tell him it was okay to stick it out. Not everyone got an angel. So what's Mary left with doing? Well, every time she has to explain to people, yeah, I'm pregnant, but don't worry, it's God's. I mean, what are the chances people are believing her? And yet in this moment, as she visits with Elizabeth, all of a sudden this song of rejoicing comes out of her. I'm not a big fan of musicals, but this is like the one point in the Bible where it seems like musicals might be a thing. You know, the one point where you might actually be able to find like a musical in the word. Because I feel like Mary's having this interaction with Elizabeth and all of a sudden she just kind of does that thing that they do in musicals where they like look off into the horizon and she just bursts into song. And so we want to learn about joy for Mary, not just because she experienced joy, but because she experienced joy in the midst of a really difficult life circumstances. She experienced joy in the midst of all of these challenges. So, so let's read scripture together. So Luke 1, starting in verse 46. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He's scattered the proud and haughty ones. He's brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. So let's talk about what it is we can learn from Mary about joy. Now remembering, joy comes from perspective, not pleasure. And there's three things here that, that help to shape the perspective that Mary has here. Three things here that will help us uh, pursue that same perspective that will allow us to experience the type of joy that persists through challenges. And the first one comes right at the beginning. In verse 46, it says, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of this lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. So the first thing is that joy comes from being noticed by God. See, Mary's in the midst of this challenging situation. But as she looks around her, the thing that she's rejoicing about is that God has taken notice of her. In my household, one of the most common phrases that I hear is, Daddy, 
look. Daddy, look at this picture that I colored. Daddy, look at this drawing that I did. Daddy, look at this painting. Daddy, look at this thing I built out of blocks. Daddy, look how I cleaned my room. Daddy, look at this food that we helped make. Daddy, look at this. Daddy, look at this. Look at this dance move I've learned. My children are always asking me to look at what they're doing. And I know my children aren't asking for like constructive feedback. Like when my daughter comes and says, hey daddy, come look at this painting that I painted. I don't go to it and say, well, you know, Aaliyah, it's, it's okay, but your color composition is a little bit off. Have you thought about using more, more earth tones? <laughs> when, when my son says, hey daddy, come look at this thing that I built out of blocks. I don't walk over and say, well, Judah, it's okay, but the structural integrity is a little bit shaky. Maybe you could kind of overlap the bricks a bit more. You know, they're not looking for feedback. What they're looking for is for me to confirm for them, for me to remind them and to show them that I have noticed them. See, one of the things that all children, one of the things that all people carry within them is a, a desire to be noticed, to be known. And Mary, in the midst of all these challenges, in the midst of a future that she doesn't know how it's going to work out, she rests in the knowledge that God has noticed her. This is a, was a revelation for me a while back. Because I think I had accepted that God loved all of us, but I felt like maybe he loved us corporately. You know, like you may say, like, well, you know, I, of course I love my family, but it, within that there's some that maybe you love more or less, or you haven't seen these ones for a long time. And, and just there's, a, there's like a group dynamic, but the specificity might not be there. I remember a long time ago, someone told me at a youth camp when I was a student, do you know that God doesn't just love you? He likes you too. For some reason that, that changed my life in that moment. The idea that God doesn't just love the whole church, but that he, he has noticed me that he's invested in me. I mean, in the Bible is full of references about this. The Bible says that he knows when we stand up, when we sit down. He knows when we go out, when we return. It says that it counts our, our tears, that he knows how many hairs we have on our head. And for some of us, that's getting easier every year. But still, he knows us so well. He knows all of these things. And even in the midst of challenges, I can be comforted. I can find joy in the knowledge that not only does God love me, but he has noticed me. He's walking with me. And I just feel really strongly that I want to take this moment to remind each of you that are watching this, God has noticed you specifically. There are times where we feel close to God and times we feel far from God, but that has more to do with how I'm feeling about it as opposed to how close or far God is. God is always with you. He will never leave you. God has noticed you, and he loves you, and he's invested in you. No matter what else is going on, that will always be true. The second thing we can learn about the perspective that Mary has is found in this next piece of scripture. It says, starting in verse 50, he shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He's brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. 
See, joy comes from remembering what God has already done. My daughter, Leah, is a reminder of this for me. See, part of uh, my wife Amber and I's story is we were trying to have children for a long time and it just wasn't happening for us. And there was many times where we came in prayer and said, Lord, is this, is this just not for us? Are we not supposed to have kids? Because if so, we'll have to figure that out. But we just want to know. And we consistently heard, no, I, you will have children. And so through years and years of it not happening, through two miscarriages, all of a sudden we come to the point in time where our daughter Leah is getting close to being born. And we started talking about names. Now it took us so long to figure out what her first name was going to be. I mean, I envy the couples around me that like, they find out they're pregnant and they already know this name, that name for that gender, this gender. They know exactly what they're going to do. It wasn't that way for us. We looked up so many names. We talked about it so extensively. And we believe we, we found the right one, but it was a lot of work. Then we got done that and we're, we're sitting there and all of a sudden Amber says, oh, what about a middle name? It's like, oh man, it took so much work to figure out what the first name was going to be. What's the middle name going to be? And then uh, I think it was the next day I was just sitting there and, and it occurred to me, I knew exactly what her middle name should be. Her middle name is Hope. See, because it took so much for us to hold on to the hope that God, this is what God had for us. And I tell you what, some days when I have a really hard day where I'm not feeling very hopeful, where the trials of the, the world, the challenges that I'm facing just kind of grind my hopefulness down and down and down. One of my favorite things to do is to come home and give Aaliyah Hope a great big hug so I can be reminded that God is faithful, that he fulfilled our hopes, and that because of that we can have hope for the future. See, Mary looks back and in the midst of all this pain and suffering that she's going through, an uncertain future, and she says, God has done this, he's done this, he's done this. He's been faithful to providing for for those he wants to provide for. His his justice has has been wrought. His, His promises to Israel have been honored. I mean, God has done so much already so I can hope for the future as well. See, for me, when I get into difficult situations, I tend to get really myopic. I tend to get really hyper-focused on just what's going on right now. Just get really centered on the suffering that I'm experiencing. And I'm not suggesting that these are trivial sufferings or trivial challenges either. There are real difficult things people are going through. We can get drawn down into these things and and so tightly focused on them that it, it prevents us from being able to look up and remind ourselves of all that's happened around us. So you think what Mary's doing in this song of rejoicing is even conscious of the challenges she's going to face or what she thinks the challenges are that she's going to face, when she looks up and sees the whole history of Israel laid out. She's able to have joy because she, she remembers that God has already done so much. He's already done so much. So, so of course he's going to continue to be faithful. He's going to continue to be victorious. He's done so much already. The joy comes from perspective, not pleasure. Joy comes from being noticed by God. And joy comes from remembering all that he's already done. And then we come to the third thing we can learn from this song that Mary shares. It's in this one verse, verse 55, and it says, 
for he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Joy also comes from knowing that God will honor his promise. See, it's one thing to be reminded that God cares about us and he's invested in us and that's good and that, that should be enough to bring joy. It's another thing to be able to look at the past and say, yeah, you know, this might be hard right now or, or, or life is just life right now, but God has already done so much in the past so we can have confidence for the future. But this third piece here is so important. It sounds kind of like the second one, but it's different. Because the third one is, is that not only has God been faithful, but he will continue to honor his promises. See, the promises of God are really unique. For us, when we make a promise, we're basically saying that we're going to do our best to make that thing happen. When I make a promise to a friend or my family, I'm saying that I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that that thing happens. But there are some limitations on what I can and can't do. Sometimes I make a promise and I I can't fulfill that promise because my, my health has suffered or circumstances have changed or the resources aren't there anymore. And, and I can't do anything about it, so I'm not really the one breaking it, but I'm still actually technically breaking the promise because I'm not going to be able to do the thing I said I'm going to do. So really when we talk about most of the promises that we participate in, I don't want to imply that we don't mean them. Hopefully we do. But it's important to acknowledge that we don't actually have complete control over whether or not we can actually fulfill those promises. We're just going to try our best, do everything we can, but everything we can has a limitation. But God's promises are different. See, when God makes a promise, he's never limited. He never runs out of resources. So when God makes a promise, it's not an intention to somehow do his best to honor it in the future. It becomes true the moment that he makes it. See, when God promises to lead Israel to the promised land, it may have taken a while for it to work itself out, but it's not like, you know, they're going to get there if, you know, this happens or that happens or it's extra rainy that year or it's not rainy that year. God was going to get them all the way there and say, oh, you know what, guys, this is going to work out. You know, I didn't anticipate this or I didn't anticipate that. God always fulfills his promises. He knows what's going to happen. So when he makes those promises, he never runs out of resources. He always knows what's going to happen. And so therefore, his promises are true the moment that he speaks them. And we have so many promises through the Bible. We have promises that God will never leave us or forsake us. We have promises that he has plans for us to prosper, not to suffer. We have promises that he, he, he will guide our steps, that he will walk with us. Now, the challenge in that for us is that these promises don't always work out the way that we see them happening. See, our lives may include suffering, but ultimately God's plan for our life is good. God promises restoration, but for some of us, that's going to be on the other side of death when we're with God forever. See, God's promises will all come true. It might look different from how I wanted them to look, but all of God's promises will come true. So, joy has to do with perspective, not pleasure. Joy comes from knowing that God has noticed us. Joy comes from being reminded of what God has already done. And joy comes from the knowledge that God will fulfill his promises. Those three things shape the perspective of Mary. She doesn't need the, all the worked out perfect answers for her plans for the future. She doesn't need to know every detail, what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, because those three things alone are enough to give her enough joy to have her burst into a song of rejoicing.
So when we talk about joy, let's unhook it from just the mountaintop experiences. If you're having one of those, then God bless you. Please enjoy that joy to the fullest. But if you're not on a mountaintop right now, I want to make sure that you know that God is inviting you into experiencing the joy that comes from having the right perspective. To experience joy in the midst of suffering. I used to think those two things couldn't exist together. But the joy that comes from being noticed by God, from remembering what he's done, and remembering that he will honor his promises, that's the real joy he has to offer us. And there's one other thing I want to tell you about joy. This is one thing to talk about, you know, that joy is available to us and you can experience joy. And I hope you do experience joy. But I feel like we'd be limiting it if that's all we talked about was just how it worked itself out in our lives, in our immediate experiences. This is one more thing I want to share with you. So Mary is singing this song of rejoicing in, in a visit with, her, with Elizabeth. And so um, I want to read to you from verse uh, 39. It says, a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leapt within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. See, the other thing about this type of joy, the other thing about the joy that comes from perspective is that it's contagious. There's two ways this works itself out. One is this, it's contagious between us, between us who are Christians in, in the midst of the church. It's because sometimes when I, when I am in the midst of suffering, I can't pull my eyes up on my own. I can't remember in that moment all that God has done, that his promises will be fulfilled, that God has noticed me because the weight of the things that are happening around me is just too strong. But in those moments, we have the opportunity to reach into someone's life and to help them adjust their perspective in a kind, gracious, loving way. To help them to pull their eyes up and see all that God has done. To remind them that God has noticed them, that he is with them. And in that way, we can, we can transfer joy into the middle of someone's life. And this means things like reaching out to someone that you know might be experiencing a lot of challenges right now. Checking to see how you're, they're doing. Offering to pray for them. Offering to extend love to them in some way that they can experience God's love through you. There's so many opportunities for us to come together as a church to encourage each other, to lift each other up. This isn't just a joy for us to experience. It's a joy that we can give to our Christian brothers and sisters as well. But that's not even it. Because the other way that this joy is contagious is that we can take it with us as we go out into the world. There is a lot of people really struggling right now. Things have been hard. Things have been challenging. And we have the opportunity as Christians to carry this light, this joy with us that defies reason to people who don't know God. Because joy comes from perspective of knowing that God has noticed us, remembering what he's done for us, remembering that he's going to honor your promises. If you don't know God, if you don't know all he's done, if you don't know the promises he has for you, where's your joy coming from? All you have is this fleeting joy that comes from pleasure. 
So we have this gift that we've been given, the gift of joy this Christmas today. As you go out to visit friends and family, as you go out maybe to work today, you can carry this joy with you. You can give to others. That they can notice in you something different. The Bible says that the world will find Christians peculiar. And that's not just because we're weird or we do weird things, but it's because the things about us will just defy explanation by the world's rules. When we display joy in the midst of struggle, people will notice that. That's a testimony to who God is. So I want to encourage you today, Christmas Day, that you may be looking at your day and it may have some hard things coming. Or you may have some things coming in the next day, week, month, year that you're worried about how they're going to work out. I want to encourage you to pursue the joy that comes from right perspective and to pursue the opportunity to give that gift to others as well. Those that know Christ and those that don't know him yet as well. We have been given a great gift. We have the opportunity to give it to others as we walk through life together. I'm going to pray for you as we wrap up our time this morning. Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity to speak to Hillside Church, Lord. Thank you so much for the opportunity to celebrate who you are, to celebrate this gift of joy that you give us that we can witness through Mary. And I pray, God, that you would give joy to everyone here, God. That you would give them joy, not that comes from just pleasure, but the joy that comes from perspective, God. That we would be able to give that gift to others, that we would be able to carry that gift with us into the world, that we would be a people just steeped in, soaked in your joy. In Jesus' name, amen. The first Noel. Thanks for listening to this message from Hillside Church. I pray that you were blessed by what God had to say in this message. If you would like to connect further with Hillside Church, there are a couple places you can go. HillsideAirdrie.ca is our website, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HillsideAirdrie. You can also look us up on YouTube and find all of our messages on Apple Podcasts. If you would like to connect to the pastoral team at Hillside, you can do that through our website, hillsideairdry.ca, and click on About Us in the main menu, and then click on Our Pastors. We're so thankful to be able to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with our community in Airdrie and with you today. At Hillside Church, we are a family, not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. And that family includes you. As family we go. Lay low, get up, and so